0: Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis.
1: And I'm Tara Barrett.
0: Welcome back to the show and uh, this week we're going to continue with what we've been doing the last couple episodes here on the living heritage podcast playing some clips from the digital archives at memorial university the digital archives initiative is a a project of the library here at memorial to uh, store and showcase all kinds of uh, digital records and the intangible cultural heritage inventory is part of that we've been uploading all kinds of audio and video and scanned documents over the last 10 years And uh, so this is our opportunity to showcase some of those. So Tara, what are we gonna be listening to today?
1: So today we're uh, listening to a series of audio clips that came out of a project that we did uh, in partnership with Spaniards Bay. And all of these audio clips are Uh, I guess were recorded mainly in the summer of 2017, and they all kind of feature different folk cures and practical ways to charm different things so that you could uh, heal other people or heal yourself.
0: This is the folk medicine warts and all episode yep. of uh, of the podcast. So you, this was a project, as you said, that we started in Spaniards Bay, but the first interview that we're going to hear is actually from Cape Royal.
1: Yeah, I think our summer student uh, that summer was an MA student, uh, Andrea McGuire, and she was going down to Cape Royal uh, to interview. Well, actually, the mother of somebody who works in our office, um, Andrea O'Brien. Uh, so her mother, Dot O'Brien, and she was actually going down there to talk to her about. Um, jukeboxes and we did a whole other project on jukeboxes in Cape Royal but while she was there she decided to ask her about folk cures and and this is one
2: of the things that Dot had to say and what else, my grandmother I remember one time I was at a birthday party and I spilled a cup of boiling hot water right here on my leg, Uh, tea I mean, right here on my leg and I had on, of course I had on, I don't know if it was a dress or, or a pair of we didn't have jeans but we had some kind of pants and like i had to get that off because kind of and i went down to my grandmother i mean i was actually crying with the pain and my grandmother had a barrel of lime out in the stable i don't know if you know what lime was it was used to do let lets it was called whitewash some people used to call it whitewash they used to do the lets with it every summer, and their houses, mm-hmm. and it peel off during the winter, so it had to be redone every spring,
1: Okay,
2: your house and or your lets, your fence, ladder fence. Okay. And she said to me, honey, I'll tell you what you'll do now to cure that. Should you go out and get the water, because the lime used to sit, settle to the bottom, and the water was on top. And she said, you go out and get some of that lime water on top of the lime barrel out there everybody had a lime barrel in them days i went out and got it and brought it in and she she made a she got it on a she put made a poultice like piece of cloth and she soaked it in the lime water and she let she laid it on my leg the i'm sure that the burn was was as big as that it was really big burn and when she laid it on my leg i thought i was going to die Oh, what a pain. And when the pain went away, that was it. It never pained after and it healed up. Wow. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. A terrific pain once you put it on. Yeah. But it worked. Great.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any people that would put away warts or? Uh,
2: my aunt yeah. used to uh, cure warts.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, you had to go get a snail. Get a nail, nail a snail onto the tree, and when the snail was rotted, your wart was gone. But she also had a prayer, a wart prayer that she said over your warts.
1: Okay. Do yep. you know what she would say? No. No.
2: No. She never she never said it out loud. Okay. No.
1: And um, no. did you like would, so would she do both the snail and the yeah. nail and also yeah. the Well,
2: after she said the prayer over your warts? She'd tell you to go get it, find a snail. I don't know how you'd find one in the winter. And nail it to the tree. She said, When the snail is rotted, your warts will be
0: gone. Mm-hmm. Charming warts seems to be one of these things that we hear a lot about when we ask people about folk cures, and it, it's remarkably persistent. You, you know, it's one of these folk cures that I still meet people who say, "Oh yeah, I had my warts removed." We've, I've been in workshops and said, "Who's here had a had a wart removed by a charmer?" And it's always amazing to me how many people still put their hands up.
1: Well, I was at my grandparents' house, and I was talking to my <clears throat> my aunt who was visiting. She's from here, but she's living in New Brunswick, and she was saying that, "Oh yeah." Like, Dad had my warts charmed, this man came down, and he counted them all, and then he put them away. So yeah, it is something that still persists today, definitely.
0: So the next one is also about uh, putting away warts. And where is this one from?
1: Uh, so this is Jeanette Russell, who grew up in Spaniards Bay, and this is an interview I did with her about uh, those folk cures and growing up in that area and, and how, yes, people put away warts.
3: don't remember my friends having warts the same, but I want my hands were covered. I had them all over my hands, and I remember on this knuckle on my right hand, uh, a very large seedy one. And at the time, I was taking piano lessons, as you know, my, my, all my family members were, and sitting at the piano in the evening practicing, they were very visible. And of course, going to my piano teacher, I, you know, was very self-conscious about that. And uh, initially, my dad. had had gone to the drugstore and gotten something to put on them and nothing seemed to work and we tried some other cures and I'm not sure if these were from the doctor but uh, one of them involved you know full strength vinegar and applying that and there was something that seemed like um, like a a stick a match stick or something there might have been some sulfur or something involved none of that seemed to work and I was getting pretty upset by this and I don't remember who, but somebody—I probably an older member of the community—because we were in everybody's house and people welcomed you so much. Um, somebody told me, "Why don't you see Aunt Ermine um, and ask her to put them away?" And she just lived down the hill and, and you know a couple of doors over. And so uh, I thought, well, you know, what's the etiquette now for for having your warts put away? What do you have to do? Well, you have to count them. And then you have to go and ask her, will you put my warts away? And But you're not to say thank you. So um, it took me a while, and I don't remember the exact number, but I think it was like about 142 by the time I counted. Every little one that was starting to grow and the big ones and pondered and perplexed over whether or not I should call this big one one or was it more than one or whatever. And so and it was very timid, and I went in her house and said, Ed Germany, will you put my warts away? And she didn't ask me how many. She just uh, turned around and looked at me and she said, Yes. And I said, Thank you. <laughs> and I went through the door. And then when I got outside I realized, I'm not supposed to say thank you, they're not going to go away. And but it was it was it was miraculous. It they were visibly disappearing from my hands. And I remember it being perhaps a week. But it might have been just slightly longer than that, but it was certainly no more than a couple of weeks. Everything was disappeared. My skin was perfectly clear and th- that, that was it. I haven't been bothered with them since. So it was, it was pretty neat and, and there were other people who had other ways of doing it. My grandmother, who, who um, visited often and lived with us later on in her life, um, I remember her saying at one time that another way of doing it was to rub, you know, some people did this to, to rub salt pork over the warts and you give it to a dog to eat. I didn't, and, you know, uh, other people talked about, uh, uh, a friend of mine said that, that uh, you know, the, the cure that she knew of was rubbing a pota- half a potato. And then burying that, and as it rotted, then then the the warts would go away. And I do remember someone, I think my grandmother again, mentioning that some people also made chalk marks on the back. So that would have been a wood stove on the back of the stove, and as the chalk burned away, they would go away. So it was a matter of a small period of time, um, and if you had a charmer, then then that would happen. Uh, My grandmother could charm warts, but she said, no, I can't do that for you. Um, I guess being related had something to do with it. But she never did give me, she didn't pass on the secret of how to do it. Yeah.
0: I remember hearing a story from a, a fellow from Coley's Point, not not too far from Spaniards Bay, uh, who told a very, very similar story about, about actually going to Spaniards Bay to have his warts... Charmed away and the woman who was charming away his warts said the same thing. You're not allowed to say. Thank you uh, Before you leave and they had had a chat and uh, he got up to leave and said, okay, you know, thank you very much <laughs> as, you, as you would and the woman got right angry at him and said no, you gotta go. You gotta go You can't say thank you and his words, Did his words, go and away? His words yeah. went away even though he had said thank you. Yeah Um, So it's interesting, this is another kind of recurring theme in a lot of these stories, that there are people who have certain powers. Yes. And uh, and that's another story that we hear, that there are certain people who are known to be charmers of some kind. And sometimes that's a generational thing.
1: Yeah. So in this case, um, this comes from Judy Simmons. And uh, back in that summer, we held an event out in Spaniards Bay to get people coming out and sharing stories about folk cures and the different ways that they would uh, heal different ailments and so Judy Simmons from Carbonier came out to this event uh, that we held at the United Church in Spaniards Bay and Judy's from Carbonier and so she had uh, a story about a seventh son and how the seventh son of a seventh son uh, was had magical powers and that's kind of something that comes up again and again and we hear that uh, those seventh sons of seven sons have those powers and you hear it kind of um, in Newfoundland folklore as, as in general
4: I, I mentioned that one of mom's cousin's little boy was the seventh son of the seventh son. And I can remember seeing people being brought to him and uh, his mother laying his little hand, you know, and saying whatever they had to say. But again, as as a child, at, you know, at 10 or 11 years old, I didn't, you know, I knew there was something special about this little boy. I can't remember his name or anything because uh, I was told he was special because he was the seventh son of the seventh son.
1: So one of the other things that people charmed were toothaches. And so in this audio clip, uh, Ralph Barrett, who's from Upper Island Cove, uh, just down the road from Spaniards Bay, he talks about uh, charming a toothache.
5: If you had a toothache, you would have to be advised you'd have to go and see this particular man. And he was just, you know, a labourer like everybody else. But uh, prior... To going, mother would have to make a little bag, probably, you know, about two inches square with a a string. And the string had to be long enough to go around your neck. So that uh, when you went to see this man, this gentleman, and you tell him you had toothache and you have to tell him where. So open your mouth and put your finger on that tooth and he'd put his finger on that tooth. And he'd get a little scrap of paper and a pencil, and then he'd scribble some kind of little symbols on on that piece of paper, and fold it and put it in that little bag that you had on your neck. And uh, it's against the law; you're not supposed to look at that. Well, that was very secret; not allowed, not allowed to look at that. If you did, I mean, that was everything was wiped clear. You know, that was that wouldn't do any good. But the, the power in that piece of paper was to, would be destroyed. So. That, no, you weren't allowed to look at it. Okay. You put that in this little bag on your neck, and you had to wear that <clears throat> until the toothache was gone. When the toothache was gone. You know, It might take a week or two weeks. Then you could take it off.
0: In addition to... Uh, charming things away, people were also quite resourceful in making their own remedies and, and medicines. It was it was difficult at times to go to a pharmacy or have a, have a doctor prescribe something, so people had all kinds of folk cures and recipes that they would do. So this is something else that you collected during part of this project.
1: Yeah, so this is another uh, um, recipe from Judy Simmons, and it's an audio clip in which she discusses what her mother would make for a sore throat
4: would give you a little sip of brandy or whiskey, you know, if you had an upset stomach or mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. That was quite common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably the reason why I, I like whiskey today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I think that was common. Oh I know something else my mom used to do we had a sore throat. They would heat the molasses. Now if we were in Norman's cove it would be black molasses. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't buy black molasses where I live, but if you went downtown St. John's, you probably could. Molasses, and Mum would put Monard's liniment, which Mum had till the day she died or the day she went in the home, and it was probably outdated, probably 10, 15 years, I don't know, but she swore by it. Yes. And uh, they should put a little tiny bit of that in molasses. Then you would put the spoon down into molasses and you would twirl it and as the molasses cooled, it kept, stayed on the spoon and you just soaked on it like a, like a lollipop. Okay. And the, the medicinal of the, of the miner's liniment and then it was soothing. The molasses was coating and that, so that was, that was something that we did, that we did. I can remember that. Mm
1: So I guess in addition to uh, using pre-made and store-bought things uh, and mixing those with things like molasses or um, sometimes people would mix it with kerosene and use kerosene as uh, a way to heal sore throats and different ailments like that, um, in Dot O'Brien's community of Cape Royal there was a particular woman who made up her own salve or salve and um, she said that people would come from different communities just to get this mixture. And when the woman died, her son also made up this mixture. So Oh, it carried on. Yeah, Yeah. which is interesting because oftentimes you'll hear people say, Oh, they didn't pass anything on to me. Um, Jeanette Russell actually discusses how her grandmother um, was a charmer, and she had different. She would she would put away warts, but she wouldn't put away her her granddaughter's warts because they were related. But she never passed on those that knowledge or those stories or those charms.
0: Yeah, I remember I remember a woman in St. John's at one point telling me a story about uh, a relative of hers, maybe a grandmother or a great grandmother, who had kept a little. What she called a witch's book, which was essentially a book where she had written down some folk cures or whatnot. So, th- so they like people would keep recipes written down for food. People would also sometimes, you know, record these things written down. I would love to get my hands on a witch's a book. witch's book. Yeah, <laughs> like, that would be, be fantastic. amazing. Fantastic. So this this again is back in Cape Royal. Yes, with that,
2: There was a lady here called Missus Sis Welsh. She's long dead now. But she used to make a salve.
1: A salve. Yeah, Yeah.
2: a salve for sores, for boils, for burns, for sores. And everybody went to her. It was called Mrs. Siswelsh's salve. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody went. And not only the people of Cape Royal, they came from other communities for it too. Any idea what she put in it? I have no idea what she put in it. Okay. I could barely remember her. She was an older woman when we were uh, teenagers. But when she died, her son kept making it. He was a bachelor. Okay. And he was a very good friend of Dad's. And he kept making the salve, but I have no idea what she put in it. But was that ever popular?
0: I'm just going to put this out there. Right now, if anyone knows that secret recipe, I, let us know. Or, or any kind of traditional recipe, if you, we would love to, um, we would love to have you write in with uh, your stories, your memories of folk cures. And we, we can maybe do a warts and all part two, uh, the return of the warts back. <laughs> 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 at some point and read some of your 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 letters or mail if you send it to us so if you have a story about a, a charmer or a cure or some kind of folk recipe for for, for folk medicine just just drop us a line um, you can always leave a comment on iTunes uh, you can you can leave a review for the episode on iTunes or, or just send us an email it's living heritage podcast at gmail.com we want to know your family recipes and what part of Newfoundland and Labrador they came from uh, now, one of the other things that people used uh, and this is a very, very ancient uh, folk cure was spider's webs and this is this is another interview from Ralph Barrett from Upper island Cove and uh, and he's talking about spider's webs, and I know that this is an ancient ancient belief that it goes right back to Roman times that that spider webs could be used for uh, stopping blood.
1: So uh coming back to spider.
0: But spider? Yeah. yeah. Well, this,
5: this, that was a case where this uh, a family and, and the lady of the house was having problems with varicose veins, and, and they used to bleed. She was always bothered with that. And one particular time, the doctor who lived in Harbour Grace was up to the community because somebody had called him because there's sickness in the family. And, of course, when that happened, everybody, almost everybody knew that, the doctor up see so and so. So when the Mercers, this particular Mercer family, heard that, the husband went over to that house and asked if the doctor would come over and see his wife. He did. And when he checked her over, said to her husband, what you should do is get some spider webs. You go into the old barns, and everybody had a barn. And up in the beams, there there are lots of spider webs like almost like a wool and just just get some of that spider that webs and and put it on her legs and then put a bandage around and that'll help that'll help to prevent the bleeding and all that kind of stuff so uh, the word and egg got around you know because when he used up you know over a period of time what was in his own barn then he went to somebody else's barn and so hence he got known as john spider so
1: jumping, I guess, head a little bit, this recipe uh, comes from Judy Simmons, and this is something that's a bit more modern. It's something that she, she actually learned from somebody while she was in the theater, um, but she said that uh, her cousin also knew this recipe, and it's basically uh, gin-soaked raisins for arthritis, but she actually looked it up on Google, so it's something that's uh, found on the internet today, so it's a bit more modern.
4: How it came about for me, I never heard of it until uh, last year. I was here at, at, at the theatre, I went to some, something here at the theatre, on my own, and I was sitting um, next to somebody I didn't know, a woman, and, but we got talking, you know, and uh, I uh, had said to her, you know, I had a bad knee, probably rubbing my knee, yes, I a bad knee, she got arthritis, and I said, yeah, she said, uh, gin and raisins is the answer, she said, I've been taking it for, for ten years. So, um, I said, what do you do? So, on the other side of me was another woman. And she said, yeah, I take them too. So, um, I never did anything, uh, but I did look it up and stuff like that. And um, didn't do anything. And then, probably six or eight months ago, I spoke to a, I was talking to a cousin of mine who lives up in Bay Roberts. And I was telling her, "Yeah, I got some trouble with my knee, right? Arthritis. She said, you ever tried a gin and, and raisins? I said, no, but I said, somebody told me about it. Well, she said, it, it worked for me. So I still didn't do anything until now my knee is getting worse. And um, I've got them uh, in, in the fridge now. So you had to. I looked up the recipe just to make sure. Not much of a recipe. So it just said to take whatever amount of raisins that you wanted. Uh, you know, in a container, cover them with gin. Now, my cousin said it should be uh, Gilby's gin or something, they like a, the more expensive gin as opposed to the cheaper gin, and I only found out that, that some of the cheaper gins are flavoured with juniper extract, whereas the more expensive gins are made straight from juniper. Mm-hmm. But I just took whatever gin I had there that I would drink with a tonic. Yeah. And uh, and then you just let them soak until it, the raisins soak up the, um, the, all, all the gin. And then, uh, you know, each day you would just take... Now, some people just take them like two or three times a day, but most people that I know, either take uh, them in the in the morning or when they're going to bed in the night. Okay. Right? And uh, it's said uh, to take... Um, Nine,
1: right? All right. So that one was a uh, was about alcohol, and we heard some other stories about how to use alcohol. Um, there was talks of hot toddies and. Just giving warming up alcohol straight and giving it to infants, just you know, to get them to relax and go <laughs> yes, to sleep yeah. a little easier.
0: Give that kid some liquor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so you you had done this project. So this was part of the oral history roadshow project that we did a couple of years ago, and all of these were eventually gathered together and put in a a book. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that process, just about putting that book together?
1: Yeah. So we worked with um, a summer student out in Spaniards Bay. Um, who was doing interviews as part of his summer project, and we also had a summer student in our office, Andrea McGuire. And so, between the three of us, we did interviews with several different people, and we compiled um, all this information about folk cures into a booklet called Folk Cures and Practical Magic. So, after doing the interviews, we just went through and decided which clips would be, you know, most interesting, and then uh, arranged them thematically. So, there's there's stuff about charming, so charming toothaches, charming warts. Uh, different things on uh, sore throats, so like that molasses and the and the, um, the particular uh, peppermint ointment, uh, things like uh, kerosene and molasses for sore throats. So just kind of uh, went through and arranged them thematically. So you can go online. It's available at Memorial University's digital archive, uh, collections.mun.ca, and if you look up Folk Cures and Practical Magic, you can find it. Um, but yeah, that was basically kind of the process of getting that put together and then we held a launch out in Spaniards yeah, Bay. Yeah, and the launch yeah. was
0: lovely, and, pe- and and a lot of the participants came and then read out their little their sections, sections, which, was, which yeah. was great. Yeah, and the other place, if you if you want to get a copy of that, you can download that for free, uh, as Tara said, it is on the Mun's Digital Archives Initiative, which is collections.mun.ca, or you can go to www.mun. Dot ca slash ich for intangible cultural heritage of course and if you go to the resources page there's a there's a link there with with all the other booklets yeah that we did. so
1: there was 10 in that series so you can go down and and check out all of the 10 different booklets that were in that in that project
0: yeah you referenced the jukeboxes for example so the jukebox book is is there and there's lots of lots of great great stories in that collection
1: we need to do one on goats i mean like we did an entire booklet <laughs> on goats did. So. we did a, a
0: whole booklet that was and it was such a popular uh, popular project out in New Perlican, The Goats of New Perlican. That was the first book we did. and I I, I think it's my favorite, I think.
1: I mean, yeah, probably you too. I mean, I like <laughs> all of them for different reasons, but I do love a good goat. So. Well,
0: we'll need to do a goat lore podcast at some point as well, because yeah, lots of people had really good, funny stories about their goats. Um, I think we've got one more very, very short clip to play, and it is about freckles
1: yeah it's about may snow and may snow is just one of the cures that you hear for freckles some of the other ones that i came across in memorial university's folklore and language archive include it uh washing your face with a baby's diaper yeah i've heard that. a used baby's diaper yeah um buttermilk uh fresh homemade bread just kind of mashing that over your (laughs) freckles um salt water so there's all kinds of really interesting ways to remove freckles which i find interesting because i have freckles and i love my freckles and i've never tried why why you would
0: want to get rid
1: of them (laughs) i've never tried any of those cures i gotta say (laughs) not the baby's diaper no no no.
0: (laughs) all right so here's the here's one of the cure for freckles
3: there was always the talk of may snow being good for sore eyes and back then we didn't seem to have as much may snow it seemed like um or freckles good for washing freckles and i did try it even though i didn't have sore eyes at the time but i thought well we've got some mace no we've got to try this so having not having sore eyes i did have did not have sore eyes after i applied it so you know but it was it was a a known thing my grandmother used to always have those sorts of things to tell us about so um you know that was supposed to it didn't have many freckles so i don't know that that would have worked for freckles but it's worth trying i suppose
0: And that's it for another episode, this Warts and All uh, podcast episode on folk cures. Thank you, Tara, for pulling all those together from the archives. No problem. And we want to hear your folk cures. So if you have a folk cure, send us an email, livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.